All right, good morning. So if you recall, we were last time was we went through a very long Shilvegibarim in the beginning of Sekhasavarizar. And we spent a bunch of time talking about his approach to Agadata. If you recall, he had said that the rabbis spoke one Bidah Guzma, right, in terms of embellishment, exaggeration, what she got from the Gemara and Kulun that we saw before. And he said that the rabbi spoke they spoke of sort of unnatural things. And additionally, he said that they spoke that they would darshan whatever they could darshan, but not that it should be taken in any way, literally. And he concluded by Quoting Yerushalmi, that we don't actually have the same version of the Yerushalmi, but the Yerushalmi asking rhetorically, are the Midrashim meant to be like taken like literally? In this case, Amana literally was faithfully. And I think even what he's trying to say is literally, and obviously the rhetorical question is meant to be answered no, that they're not meant to be taken literally. As we've said, there's a difference between literally and seriously. And but by saying, that all of these agaritas and all of these different chazal are meant to be just taken seriously or maesanism or not to be, you know, uh, taken um, as literal. What he's doing is going against a trend that we see more and more. And again, I want to be clear. The words that I want to use are not that the trend that we're going to mention today, which is the dominant trend in today's understanding of Madrashim. It's not that they take Midrashim literally and, and seriously, but certainly they take it far more literally and are far more unwilling to say that they made a mistake, the rabbis in the bar, than the other sort of opinions that we've seen so far, including the most recent one, it's sort of like the Shilpi Agibayrim. And as you said, we've already mentioned before the Drasha, the Amagada from Rabbeinu from and Rambam that we've mentioned before, you know, the approach of the Shmuel Nuggets. We've mentioned other various approaches today. We're going to focus a little bit on the morale. In order to focus on the morale, it's helpful to have a background. I thought maybe in a couple of Gemaras, and we'll come back to this morale. The background of a couple of Gemaras is as follows. We start out, we took as long today. We just literally started. Um, so, so the um, the Gemara want to start with the Gemara about Basra. Let's start with the Gemara about Basra. Gemara about Basra says he had Yosef Rabbi Yechanan mekadarish. Rabbi Yechanan was making drushes, and what was his drush that he made? Also, that Hakadosh Baruch Hu lahavi avanim tevis and margolias shem shleishim al shleishim. Hakadosh Baruch Hu is going to bring these massive jewels that are going to be like thirty by thirty amos. Right, like like enormous, enormous jewels. And the Chagig Bahen Esrael Esrael, they're gonna fashion from these enormous stones, these these ten by twenty kinds of uh, 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 jewels. And they're gonna literally be stood up in the gates of Jerusalem. That's what Rabbi Yechonon said. There was a student there who made fun of this. There was a student there who was challenging it. And he said, Now that we don't even find jewels that size of an egg. 
right? I mean, if you ever look at uh, what's it called, the the, the Russian um, uh, the Dip jewel deck. What are they? What are they called? Right. So, so the Gemara says they don't even have the size of an egg. So now we're going to find size of, of twenty by ten. It's impossible. They don't have such eggs. They don't have such size of jewels like this at all in the world. At some point in the future, uh, this student was in the ocean. He was on a boat. He saw that the Malachi Asharis, the angels, the celestial beings were hewing stone, uh, the fancy jewels of 30 by 30. And they were making out of these 30 by 30 enormous jewels into stones that were 20 by 10. Amrlan. So, so he says, the student says to the angels, Lamat, what are you doing this for? Why are you building such things? See, the, the, they replied, Oh, because we're preparing these stones. Hashem's going to use these stones. The Jewish people are going to put it in the gates of Jerusalem. Also, the common Rabbi Yechonon. So this student now comes back to Rabbi Yechonon. Omalei, Droish Rabbi. Says, darshan. It's nice when you darshan. It's good. You make good drushes. Just like you said in your drasha, I saw with my own eyes. Rabbi Yechon responded, Reka, the empty person. If you hadn't seen with your own eyes, you wouldn't have believed, right? You know, when he said, I see it, I believe it if I see it, right? You didn't believe it until you saw it. Your person who makes fun of the words of the rabbis. He put his eyes on him and he turned into a pile of stone, a pile of bones. That's one story in the Gemara. Second story in the Gemara is a story in Mitzvah Shabbos. The Gemara of Shabbos has a, a similar story, different ending. Gamliel is sending, because and he's also dying about what's going to happen in the future times. And he says like this, I see that Isha should tailor B'chalyai. In the future times, a woman is going to give birth every single day. Shinema, and he has a Pusik. Lig leg a Talmud. Same exact logic. He had a student there who was making fun. He said, what are you talking about? Omar, ain't kal chodosh tachas Hashem. The student says back to Rabbi Yeh, Gamliel, what are you talking about? There's nothing new under the sun. What are you talking about? This guy, a woman is going to give birth every day. I'll show you. I'll show you an example of it here in this world. It shows him a chicken. Chicken lays an egg every day. So if a chicken lays an egg every day, why is it impossible for a woman to give birth every day? And again, wouldn't you believe it? I'm giving another speech. And again, he makes a drush. He says that the trees are going to give fruit to every single day. So he brings a plastic. Again, a student making fun of Rabbi Gamliel. That's what he's talking about. So Rabbi Gamliel said, and he says, there's nothing new in the world. He takes him out and shows him a caper bush. He's always producing new fruit. I'm not an expert in caper bushes, but next time you buy the Chrysler, if it's Slav, it's a caper bush. Next time you buy the Chrysler, you'll see 
you know, all these bushes coming out of the curse, so those are cave bushes. All right, next, Rabbi is giving another drasha. And this time he says, The land of Israel and the Lassan Lava is going to produce. Gluskoyos um, is like cakes. Milas is like clothing. And it's going to happen every day. This is what you're talking about. And Kachosh Takas Hashemesh, the student's not having any of it. Says so Gamil, come, come outside, I'll show you. I'll show you an example. And he shows him, Nafik Achmelech Kamin, and Petiris, Milas Gavra Barkura. So he shows him mushrooms and truffles that they grow every single day, and they're like hearty food. That's for the for the Gluskoyos and for the Kamilas, that's clothing. He shows him um, hearts of palm, which has sort of when it grows like a hair on it, which he said is like a clothing. That is the two gemars. First thing I want to point out from the two gemars is what their end result of the students. Right? In one case, a student three times challenges Rabbi but he never gets killed. He never gets killed. Never makes him a galsha in some ways. It could be this is a particular aspect of Rabbi Yechon. Now, the Gemara doesn't bring it down in one place, but if you look at Rabbi Yechon, about what happened when Shlakish got him annoyed, right? Shlakish died. Or you look at the Gemara Babakama, at the end, the Gemara says that Rav Kahana came to the land of Israel. I think we may have mentioned this Gemara many months ago in, in one of the classes. And Rav Kahana had. Remember this Gemara, Rav Kahana had been sent to Israel by Rav because he was a, a fugitive from the law. What had happened was is that Rav Kahana went and killed somebody who he thought was being pagan in the covet of Rav, his rabbi. And Rav said, look, you know, rightly or wrongly, the government is going to get you. You need to leave. You got to be a fugitive from the law. So he runs away to the land of Israel and Rav made him promise that you can't open your mouth in the shear of Rabbi Yechonah for seven years. Because he knew Afghana. Afghana, you know, could could uh, could could uh, sort of you know have a battle of wits and set Rabbi Yechonah. And so for he, he comes to the Shir, and there was already like you know, word preceded. You know, Ari Mi Babel, a line from Babylon is coming. So they tell Rabbi Yechonah, you better prepare the Shir for tomorrow. This kid's coming here, he's a tough guy. Rabbi Yechonah is like, you're going to prepare to share well, right? Make sure he gets a good a good impression. And they they sit him down in the front, you know, because Rabbi Yechonah comes with a big name preceding him. And the way the Gemara says is that Rabbi Yechonah starts to you know, give the share. And they're asking Rabbi Yechonah, know what he has to say? He has nothing to say. They move him back seven rows, the Gemara says. And he doesn't say a word. He takes each, you know, in the share. When I was in the Mary Shiva, I sat by, by a rabbi named Rabbi And over there, to get a seat every year, you move up a seat. If somebody, you know, leaves the shear or whatever, you get his seat. You can take over seats. But in order to get to the front, it takes a few years. The people in the front, they're there for five, ten years for sure. Some of them longer. You're not getting into the inner circle unless you're there for ten years. Right? Or, or somehow you manage to yash in a bunch of seats. That's the way it works. In, in, in this case, it didn't just work going upwards. It wasn't only Malam Makaydish, it was also Maridin, right? So in this case, they gave Rav Ghana a good seat because he came with big Pitaxia. And then it turns out he doesn't have, 
he doesn't have what it takes. So they start pushing him back seats. What are you going to just, you don't sit in the front if you don't have what it takes. So he gets pushed back seven rows. First day of Shir. Rav Kahana says to his heart, the Gemara says, he says, I hope Rav won't be angry, but let these seven, you know, embarrassments that I got by being pushed back seven seats count like the seven years I was going to keep my mouth shut. And then he gets up and he starts slugging up Rav Yechon on all the Shir that he said. And then Rabbi Yechon sat on a bunch of pillows in order to see the crowds. They start taking away Rabbi Yechon's pillows. Till finally, they're eye level. And Rabbi Yechon's eyes in those days, he couldn't really see. He's the most handsome man, Mark says, but he couldn't really see. So they had to move his eyebrows and be able to lift up his eyes so he could see him. And Rabbi Yechon's face was a little bit crooked. He had a little bit of a half smirk, permanent half smirk on his face. Rabbi Yechon says, thought he was laughing at him. So Mark says he turned him into also a dead person. Then the Gemara's whole story about how they said to him, that's the way his face is. He wasn't laughing at you. This is always how he is. So Rabbi Yechon goes to be Michael, uh, to go be Michael, and he, he's, he goes to his caver. The Gemara says, unbelievable. So he, there's a snake wrapped around the caver. He can't go in. So the Gemara says, Rabbi Yechon says to the snake, let me in. I have to go see my student. Snake doesn't budge. So Rabbi Yechon says, okay, I'm coming to see my chaver. Coming to see my colleague, the snake doesn't budge. Rabbi Yechonah says, I'm coming to see my Rebbe. The snake moves away. Rabbi Yechonah goes in and is Michael and so begs for Mechila, like the person should be let back alive. And that, happily ever after, the story ends. Yes, says the Gemara. That's what happens. So, first thing to note in this Gemara is the difference of the way Rabbi Gamliel dealt with it and the way Rabbi Yechonah dealt with it, which is one aspect. But it's interesting, right? Because if we recall, we have the Gemara in Rosh Hashanah, we have the Gemara in. In, in Brachas that tells us about how Rabbi Gamil dealt with situations where a colleague of his, right, was distressing him and challenging his authority, right, with the stories of Rabbi Yeshua, right, where he forced Rabbi Yeshua to go violate his Yom Kippur, right, to go uh, uh, carry his stick and his money back on Yom Kippur because he wasn't happy with his calculations. So it's very interesting to me how they each dealt with a problematic student who was challenging what they're saying. And interesting because Rabbi Gamil, when it came to Rabbi Yeshua, was very, very harif with him. It was very strong, very sharp with him, right? He, the Gemara says that in, 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 in Bamatia, that what happens as a result of these two times, the rabbis had enough of Gamil. The rabbis said, you treated Rabbi Shua wrong, and they demoted him from being the Rosh Shiva. They demoted him, and he became who the Rosh Shiva, blessed and Nazar. That's where we get that whole famous thing in the Haggadah, Pesach, right? Because Elizabeth and Nazar was really only 18 years old when he became Rosh Shiva, but they had a special miracle. They had a lot of Gray hair grow quickly. I mean, he probably had a lot of, it wasn't such a miracle. He had to deal with problems. The gray hair grew quickly. So the Mars says in, in, in Bamatia that Rabbi Gamliel was pushed aside. He was pushed aside. And and, uh, and the Gemara says many times in Shabbos, so who Shabbos was it? Because after Gamliel and Yeshua made up, the Gemara says that eventually, um, so what they did was arrange a split. They couldn't demote Rabbi Elizabeth Azar. They had already promoted him. So what they said was, is we're going to give Rabbi Elizabeth Azar one week a month to Darshan. And three weeks from Gamil gets, and that's what he finds many times the Shas. Shabbos Shamil. So who Shabbos was it in the who gave the drush? So I think that's one aspect that's very interesting to know. The second aspect is, of course, the fact that in the Gemara is using the same exact language both. Lig leg alav talmud. The student was making fun. Lig leg is a lag vakel, it's like like making a joke, making a chazen of, of, of what the what the speech was. But this is not the only place where this Gemara is brought. There's another place where this Gemara in Sanhedrin, in the uh, Bambu Basra is brought in Sanhedrin. 
And this, I think, is very edifying because you see from here how the Gemara understood this Gemara in Barabash. Listen to this Gemara in Sanhedrin. The Gemara says that Rabbi, um, Rabbi Yirmiya was sitting in front of Rabbi Zera. Rabbi Yirmiya is sitting in front of Rabbi Zera and he's giving a, a class. Even though Rabbi Zera is the Rabbi, Rabbi Yirmiya is giving a speech. And Rabbi Yirmiya says like this. Rabbi Yirmiya says, there's going to be a stream from the Holy of Holies. There's lots of love. And from it is going to come the most delicious things. Wonderful things are going to come from the stream that's flowing out of the Kaddish Kaddash. And he has a puzzle that he brings a raya. So there's an elderly person sitting in the shir. Who says to Rabbi Yirmiya, who's darshing in front of Rabbi Zera, and he says like this: Amar leyahu saba yiyasher, what you said is very good, a good word. V'chein Amar Rabbi Yechanan, and so too Rabbi Yechanan said. That's what the elderly person says to Rabbi Yirmiya sitting in front of Rabbi Zera. So you would think, okay, fine, very nice. That's not what Rabbi Yirmiya does. Amar Rabbi Yirmiya le Rabbi Zera. Rabbi Yirmiya then says to Rabbi Zera. Do we think that this guy is an Epicurean? Do we think that this guy is a, a, a heretic? An Epicurus? Which guy? The old man who just said, you're right. Good of art. That's what Rabbi Yechanan said. Rabbi Zera is sitting there, right? Watching the whole thing happen. And Rabbi Yirmi asks him, isn't that a sign of Epicurus? So Rabbi Zera says back to him, Omalei, how so you will come aside? What you talking about? A sign of Abikars is a sign of heresy. He's agreeing with you. He's saying that Rabbi Yechonin says similarly. What's the problem? Right? What's the problem? Like, why did Rabbi Yemir think this is a problem? It's, un, it's, un, it's not so easily understood. What did Rabbi Yemir think? Why was he upset? Ella, and now Rabbi Zera is talking. Right? You remember Rabbi Zera. We've talked about Rabbi Zera, Rabbi Zera, the whole Gemara and Ksubis when we dealt with him. Coming to the land of Israel, his Rebbe Yehuda didn't want him to go to the land of Israel. Remember this? Three oaths during that, like six months ago, whatever, when we were dealing with it, we brought Rabbi Zera a lot. This is that Rabbi Zera. Rabbi Zera says to Rabbi Yemya, You want to talk about Epicurean? You want to talk about heretical tendencies? You, here's an example. If you want an example about what it would be when somebody's saying something that's a bad, that he's not saying something good. I'll give you an example. You heard the answer, Rabbi Yechanan, like this story that we had in Bar Basra. Rabbi Yechanan was sitting and it was dashing lost in love. Yeah, was going to have these stones that are 30 by 30, these incredible jewels, and they're going to be fashioned to 10 by 20, and they're going to be stood up in the gates of Yerushalayim. That, says Rabbi Yechanan, is what's going to happen, lost in love. And that says Rabbi Zeretor, Rabbi Yirmiya, there was a student there, and that student was leg leg of He said, That's not true. It can't be. And then he went out and he saw it with his own eyes. And he came back and he said, Rebbe, you're right. No, the Khalidrash, you should dash and more. You do good rushes. On that, that's an example of, according to Rabbi Zera, to Rabbi Yermia, an example of Epicurean tendencies. In other words, this Gemara Babash is being used as the signed Quran example of. A situation where somebody doesn't believe. Clear? And that's why the punishment is warranted, not just by Rabbi Yechanan, 
In other words, you can't just say, oh, Rabbi Yechon, he's like notorious for this. When people get him upset, you know, as it were, he seems to, you know, be able to uh, use his very spiritual powers to get rid of them. You can't say that. Because here, the Gemara in Sanhedrin, which is not Rabbi Yechonah, this is more of Rabbi Zera and, and, and Rabbi Yirmiya talking. They're bringing down the example of Rabbi Yechonah. That's the prime example. That's the example par excellence of a situation where somebody is not listening to the rabbi and is having heretical tendencies by asking such a question. So then I come back to the question of it's very fascinating to me. How is it? That Rabbi Gamliel doesn't get upset. He gets upset at Rabbi Yeshua. Rabbi Yechanan gets upset at the student. Why is it that Rabbi Gamliel doesn't get upset? He gets upset at Rabbi Yeshua so much, not a student? Same language. And I think the answer is, if you look carefully at the Gemara, that this student didn't, wasn't just What did he say? He brought a Pasuk. He brought down a Pasuk to support his contention. Yes, he was making fun, but He's not just making fun. He's saying the text says otherwise. The text suggests that it's going to be the same lust love. On that, Rabbi Gamil says, look, come outside. I'll show you examples in this world. Rabbi Gamil takes this challenge seriously. It's a good challenge because there are other, other that maybe say otherwise. So Rabbi Gamil tries to deal with it. Whereas the student in the case of Rabbi Yechon didn't bring any example. He's just making fun. So for that, that becomes the prime example of somebody that has to be dealt with in a sharp way. So far, we're good. All right. Now, before we get to the Maral, I want to get to... Huh? Yes. Correct. Whether or not he knew about it, it's not clear, because he doesn't respond at that point. There's no, there's no, there's no response. But yes, you're 100% right that the, the in, in each case, they're shown how it's possible. In other words, Ragamil goes out to show the student, and that's how the student doesn't make fun anymore. Ragamil doesn't go out to show the student, he may not even be aware of what of what you know the student said. He hasn't had a conversation. It's when the student saw it, and then he comes back and says, Oh, you're a good dietitian, you should keep on dietitian. I sometimes wonder if that's where the problem was, is that he said, Oh, you're a good dietitian, you should keep on dietitian. And he happens to then say, because I saw it with my own eyes. So Ragamil goes on that one, but I wonder if what set him off is like. Now I have permission from you to dash it? Like you're the grace of Kanaka, you're telling me it's okay? That's by the way what I wonder also a little bit in that story of Rabbi Yim. You know, like when a parent says something to a child, right? If the child's not supposed to say to the parent, oh, good gazak, you said really well, fantastic. You know, you're right. That's called not keep it up. You mean your parents are right, you agree with them. No, no, that's still not keep it up. Keep it up means it's not like, oh, your parent needed you, so your so you have to say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now they're right. That's also, I wonder if, and that's what's bothering Rabbi Yirmir, right? He's saying in front of Rabbi Sarah, and the old man says, Yasha, you're right. You hear that language? Like, if you, what, the problem, I think, is the word Yasha, you're right. You're a sabi, you're an old guy. What do you, you don't, you're not an Amira. What are you talking for? Do you want to say something? You want to ask? You say, Rabbi Yechanan. Rabbi Yechonah said it, but you're saying, yeah, sure, I agree with you, and also Rabbi Yechonah said the same. You're putting yourself like you're the big Kanaka, like you, you have nothing to say here. I wonder if that's what set off Rabbi Yermio when he says to Rabbi Zera, is that an example of Epicurean tendencies? Now, of course, Rabbi, Rabbi Zera says to him, like, relax, you know, he's not disagreeing with you, like, you don't have to, like, let's not get so excited over here, but anyhow. 
All right, so before the Maral, right, there was the Drush Saran. The Drush Saran quoted many times by already the right Rishonim. Like, for example, the Bible quotes the Drush Saran many times. The Drush Saran deals with this Gemara. Everybody here learned the Drush Saran? If you haven't learned the Drush Saran, it's a must read. It is like one of the proto earlier Mahshavis songs, one of the earliest ones. And, and it's absolutely worthwhile. It's like a, not too many drushes. And now there's, I think, even they have English translations of it. But it's really a worthwhile read. Um, and he says like this. He says, Just like we have to listen to the rabbis when it comes to the laws and the rules of the Torah. It's not just that we have to listen to the rabbis when it comes to halacha. We have to listen to Chazal when it comes even on other Kabbalists that they have. Midrashah Sukim or their Agatas and their Drushas. And someone who deviates from what the rabbis say, not in halacha, but who deviates from the midrashic understanding of the rabbis, the homiletics, that person is an abikaris and doesn't have a chalik in the world to come. Right, remember the Ramban now in the Vikuach. Remember that Ramban when he's telling the king right, of Aragon and he's explaining to him that there's different parts of the Torah. There's the Biblia, right? There's the Bible, and then there's the Talmud for the Halacha. And then he said, What? There was the Sermonies, right? There was the sermons, which are like, you know, Madrashim. If you like it, you like it. If you don't like it, you don't like it. You can take it, you can not take it. It's a very different understanding from the Ran, right? What's the Ran saying? If you don't accept the Madrashim of Chazal, you're not curious. You don't have a chelik on the This is night and day, right? Says the Ram, what's his example? Our Gemara Babasra. The example of the Gemara we just talked to, Rabbi Yechanan, and the stones that are 30 by 20 being fashioned to 10 by 20 by 10 jewels, etc. Says the, um, says the, what he calls, says the, um, uh, the dresser, right? What's the riot that I know that this is Apikarsis? Not for the Gemara Over there, Rabbi Yechanan kills the guy because he doesn't listen. But it could be Rabbi Yechanan just had a, you know, he had a, he was aggrieved, right? Rabbi Yechanan, when he gets aggrieved, does things like that. So maybe that's not a raya. But says the Ran, you know what is a raya? The Gemara in Sanhedrin. Because the Gemara in Sanhedrin is bringing down the Gemara as an example for Rabbi Zeri, teaching Rabbi Yirmiya. You want to know what an example of heresy is? That Gemara in Sanhedrin, that Gemara in Right? You see how that becomes now the raya? For the Duran, right? The Gemara in Sanhedrin of Rabbi Zera using the Gemara of Abbasra to Rabbi Yirmiya to explain to him, this is Apikarsis. That now becomes the basis for the Ran to say that you don't buy into the Midrashas of Hazal, you are a heretic. Because it's not Rabbi Yirmiya getting mad. It's Rabbi Zera telling Rabbi Yirmiya, this is, the, this is what you have to look for. <coughs> and he finishes like this, the Ran. What Rabbi Yechonon was talking about in that Gemara and Boabasra wasn't any rule. There was no halacha in the Torah. And nevertheless, we still say that if you do not accept it, that that is rank or smacks of heresy. effectively being the word of Hashem. 
because you're not believing what you otherwise commanded to believe. Somebody who disagrees with the words of the rabbis is like somebody who disagrees with the mainstay of the Torah. We already learned the Gemara tells us that that is the Drash Saran. The Drash Saran is a, is a good segue into seeing the Maral. Next week, well, I'm not sure what will be next week, um, but the next time what we will do is talk about the Rambam's approach to this Gemara and the other side of this equation. And I think we have to go back to talking about this year 6,000. We've had a really nice tangent for a long time. And then we go back. Um, but we'll have been edified by seeing all these different approaches that I got at this, all these different approaches from various Rishonim and Achvarim through the years. So this is the Ramah in the beginning of the Beragarla. Everyone heard of the Beragarla? The Beragarla from the Maral is a book that he wrote, as I said before, I think, that he wrote to respond to Rabbi Azariah de Rossi, the, the, the rabbi from the late 1500s, late 1600s in Italy, who had written a book called Arinayim. And in that book, it was one of the first earliest examples of saying that the Agaratis of Chazal are incorrect. And he says numerous times that, oh yeah, the, the Rabbis made a mistake about this. Usually it's something historical, calendrical, things of that sort. Um, he doesn't make a big polemic about it. He is always talking about his orthodox approach very much, is always very self-aware what he's saying is controversial, and it tries very much not to seem too controversial. He brings in lots of secular books as proofs to some of his contentions. The morale was apoplectic about this, and he wrote a book, Baragula, really to respond to these claims. The Baragula is effectively the, the morale's response to many agonists that are difficult, that people have issues with. And he goes through them, Kaseder, Kaseder. Maral also has his Kiddushia Goddess as part of his Uv, where also it deals with many, many complicated Goddess. And Baragayla is more engaged. It's like deeper. It goes, it goes more, uh, ser- uh, you know, sort of structured way. And there's a, a lot more sort of, um, a lot more uh, written on the topics than Kiddushia Goddess. This is the morale in the beginning of the Baragayla. <clears throat> the morale says like this. <clears throat> when you find something that the rabbi said that is not very sensible, it seems very distant. <clears throat> we start to think strange things about the rabbis. Maybe they didn't know what they were talking about. And this person who's thinking such thoughts about the rabbis, he's a fool in two ways. One is a fool. One is a fool who doesn't understand the Rishayim. And two, he's a fool. Second day, he's a fool is because he thinks that he's actually a wise person. So in two ways, a person's a fool. Number one, he's a fool that he thinks that the rabbis were uh, wrong. He doesn't understand them. And number two, he's a fool because he thinks he's actually intelligent. And the morale has a line here, an unbelievable line. He says, this is the Ashma, this is the problem of our generation. People think that they're really smart, that they really know what they're talking about. And then he goes like this. 
This is the point, the essence, the quintessential point of our generation is to recognize our weakness, to recognize our nothingness. Right? Doesn't that ring like the year 2020 and you're hearing a share in some place? This is the morale. It all comes from the morale, the morale again and again. What is the tachlis in the 1600s that he's writing? The tachlis is to recognize that we are nothing. By you recognizing your nothingness, that's when you get closer to wisdom. Not like the way people think today. They think that they have got themselves that they're really intelligent, that they have made serious graduated progress in the world, that they are so much more knowledgeable and proficient than they were in the generations past. No, no, no. He says, You want to know if something is alive or dead? You want to know if a tissue is alive or is necrotic? Right? If you touch it with something that's uh, a hot iron, right? If you have a, if you have a dead skin, no one feel it. Right? If it's only if your skin is alive, you're going to feel it. He says, today people are so dead. They don't, they're dead in, inside. They don't even understand. They don't feel anything. So people today, they're so dead. It's like they don't even realize their nothingness. They don't realize their lack of myelin. And that's how they have the ability to think strange thoughts about the ones that preceded them. And then he says like this. He says there are different parts that today people challenge about what the rabbis say, about what it says in the bar, what it says in Tanakh. I'm just going to focus here. He says seven different things. I'm just focusing on two of them. He says, Because that there are those that say that it comes in the Gemara, Divrei Havai, and it's not really substance. Where do we hear that before? That it comes in the Gemara, Divrei Havai? It was the Gemara that said it, right? The, the, it wasn't the, uh, some, like, you know, uh, intellectual pre-shine, you know, from the, from the medieval era. The Gemara says, It's a Gemara that says. So the morale is going after people that say, Yes, they're going to a Gemara. Why is that a problem? Ashishi, the sixth problem is, The rabbis of the ancient past of the Talmud, of the Mishnah, of the, of the Midrashim, they were distant from the wisdoms of the sciences and the mathematics, and they didn't really know cosmology, they didn't really know biology and zoology. There are those that say that. Says the, says the morale, in this Bera girl that I'm writing, we're going to explain the words of the Torah Shabbat and to remove the chutzpah that people talk about, the geniuses of the world. Someone who bears the rabbis is like he has no, doesn't believe in Torah from heaven. They think that what he says in the Talmud is strange. And then I say the morale dedicates this book to trying to prove this point that there's nothing that's strange in the word of the rabbis. Now, if we go 
to the morale. We go to the morale in the middle of the Bear Agurla in the sixth Be'er, and then again in the seventh Be'er. He goes after Azari the Ross, and this is what he says. He pays specifically at You know what the problem with Zara de Rossi is? He's looking in books of the Gayan. He's looking in books of the non-Jews. Learning from the books of the non-Jews is how he is coming to argue on the words of the rabbi. Now, I want you to be clear. The morale was very familiar with the Copernican Revolution. He was familiar with Tyler Brake. He was like a big astronomer in his day, Maral was not unaware of the fact that the ancient Ptolemaic cosmology was no longer working and that, you know, the rule of Occam's razor had now shown that we're not living in a geocentric world or we are now living in a heliocentric world. Of course, not everybody necessarily wants to accept that even today within the from community. You can talk to Chabad about how they try to justify their geocentricism. And there are books that are published that I have that still go on about how geocentricism is really the right approach and epicycles is wonderful. Without getting into any of that right now, because that would be a really big tangent. The reality is that the first problem that the morale is identifying with Dari de Rossi is all the secular knowledge that is then coming and edifying his approach to the words of the rabbi. Then he continues, and he says about him that he says about him that he's Makasha Atzmerlodas, which is a joke. It's a play on words, right? It's also for somebody, for a male, to Makasha Atzmerlodas. I'm not going to know what that means, you know. What I mean. So he's saying that he's saying that Azari the Rose is Makasha Atzmerlodas but not with any sort of a sexual connotation. He's saying he asks questions. He makes himself having questions that he doesn't really need to have. If he had more amun, he wouldn't have such questions. And then he says like this. He says, So when it comes to the words of the Agada that are not halachic in any way, he says, listen, the Torah has many, many different faces. And even if it's something is not halakha lamaisa, nevertheless, nevertheless, v'zeo pirish amiti and tzav be'al v'shiyeloi yiu ha'agodis t'vei terik m'shara terish n'emr m'sinai ha'oymer kach e'im lo'ichelet lo'elam ha'ba. Anybody who says that the non-halachic portions of the Torah, meaning the Midrash, right, the Agadic, the homiletic sections of the Torah, are not like the rest of the Torah. They are not part and parcel of Torah m'sinai, where did you hear this before? The Drush Laran. Sound familiar? What is this saying? Very, very vite, very different from the approach of the Ramban. The Ramban told us, and that Bikuach, what did the Rabbin of Ramban and Rambam say? What did we see in the various approaches of the Rambam, etc.? We had seen that, yes, the rabbis make mistakes when it comes to science, they make mistakes when it comes to various different things in the natural world. And certain agaratas or whatever, just, just uh, you know, the Shildagi burn, right? We're just darshnik, whatever you can darshan, or the Mycenaeus, Divriavai, 
this is a different world we're in right now. In this world, if you say something against the words of the rabbis, that maybe they were incorrect about something, then you have no chilek in Elam Haba. And that's what we saw from Rabbi Yashiv, right? And we saw from Rabbi um, uh, Feldman that they said that maybe there were approaches otherwise that took different approaches in terms of the words of the rabbis, but they were always divriyachid. They were always individuals. That wasn't the mass tradition. The mass tradition, and I said that they were correct. The mass tradition is the one enunciated by the Drush Saran. Mass tradition is the one enunciated by the Maran. When I say mass, is in terms of the masses today, and probably the masses in those days, although I don't know for sure, but certainly the masses today, if you ask somebody um, what they think about of the regular boy poloy of the Hamoin Am, of the of the regular uh, uh, folks who don't delve into these kinds of topics, the words of Abba said are true. Of course they're true. I, I'm not, I don't know. I'm not an expert. Yes, two rabbis. They'll explain it to you. That's how people have always thought. And here the morale is being very clear about it. If you don't accept it, then you have no chalik and elam habla. And again and again, he goes on this on this aspect and goes after the, the uh, Zari de Rossi for not accepting it. We're a little bit late already in terms of the finishing time, although we, we started late. I just wanted to conclude the morale with one more morale. That is the morale on our Gemara that we've mentioned there. The Gemara in Babasha, by way of that Gemara in Sanhedrin, by way of you know the distinction with the Gemara in Shabbos that we mentioned all So this is the morale in the Chidushia Goddess in, ba- in Babasha. Says the morale. You know, the student was making a joke. That that student, Oyse Talmud, right? It's like when you say Oyse Ish. I don't really want to go on any tangents, but when you see sometimes rabbis referring to other rabbis, like Oyse Ish, it's not a it's not a great thing for the three weeks. I'm not gonna mention the rabbi who, who did it or the rabbi who we did it against, but there are other ways to talk. But the Gemara says Oyse Talmud. The Isaac Talmud, that one who was making fun of Rabbi Yechanan. So Rabbi Yechanan, you know, wasn't very pleased with him, you know, made him a gotcha at some point. Says the Maral. Um, says, Lukach Omar Kashir, Fligo Svinta Bayama Godo, Shami Menu Yetzim Avadam Tevis Oil. Will this person got into the ocean? You got into the Amagala Mediterranean Sea where over there you get all the jewels, the good jewels that come out to the world. They have this special divine sort of a protection. Even though they're material. And he saw with his wisdom that with the water is able to produce such things. Like him. And these stones are going to be used in Yerushalayim. These special stones, they're not like the regular Gashmi stones when you go to the Jew on 47th Street. This is an elite kind of a stone that has spiritual aspects to the stone. It has really tremendous spiritual powers, these stones. And that's when the student was able to agree and acknowledge to Rabbi Yechon was really right. Because he wasn't a mammon, right? like you pointed out, right? That he only said, oh, you're right, once he saw it, because he wasn't a mammon, I saw a gal shot something. Not because he said, Rebbe, Yaffa, 
you know, you have a darish, you're a good darish. No, no, that's No, because he wasn't a mom, and that's why he got, he got rid of him. So, in other words, what is Rabbi, what is uh, the morale seeming to suggest? What kind of stones are there in the Mediterranean? Huge stones. They're jeweled. They're very valuable. They're going to be brought to Ushalayim. All that's to be taken literally. But what's not to be taken literally? These are not the regular jewels that you come out with on 47th Street. This is something, a spiritual jewel. It's a, it has material aspects, but it's not just a regular Gashmi stone. It has other aspects to it. Kiss, there are other aspects to it that are Divrei Skula. There's other things to it. It doesn't explain and nowhere he can show what kind of stone it is. We've never seen a stone like that. But what is he seeming to take literally? The fact that there is such a stone and the stones will be brought. They're just not regular natural stones, but the student did see the stones. That's why he acknowledged it, but that's why he also got punished because he wasn't a mom. Which accords with his point that if you're not a mom, then you're a heretic. And in this case, he got really punished. Clear? One last point just to mention is that the morale doesn't always say that everything has to be taken literally. I just want to be clear. The morale doesn't do that. It is interesting to me why he doesn't hear, but he doesn't do it in another place. And in this other place, he expands to his approach generally. And then just the last thing we'll do for the morale, which again, with the Drush Laran, gives you an idea of the flavor of the mass approach to how to view Agatha, which is we take it not just literally, we take it as much as we can. Seriously, we never say that the rabbis got something wrong. We don't use secular wisdom to go and edify our understanding of the Agathism of Chazal. We instead try as much as possible to mastic what they say in a serious and literal manner. If we can't, then we'll say it's maybe more non-literal. Here's an example of that. The very famous Gemara, various different things in that Gemara going on. One of the things that the Gemara that talks about was two rabbis are being they were so fat that basically oxen could go walk underneath their bellies. That's how big their bellies were. Like, you know, it says that the woman who saw how fat they were, said, how could your children must be not really your children? They said, oh, our wives are even fatter than us. The goes through a whole thing about like how they could even have children. They're so obese. Not for now. What I want is the morale. The morale says on that Gemara like this. The morale says, the says sickly. This idea of Rabbi Lezer being so fat or basically so fat, this is not literal. This is not what's going on here. It's Dibri Sikhli. This is wisdom that's being explained. You don't have to say many times when the Gemara uses literal size. I'm sorry, the Gemara uses what seems to be literal size. You don't have to take it literally. You don't have to say that. And literally, they were so enormously obese that you could fit oxen beneath their belly. Rather, what they're trying to talk about is Yudas Hadaris. What they're trying to say is how great your blessed of Shimon and Rabbi were, how amazing they were. And in fact, the more there goes on and on. The next few adopt back and forth, the more trust about Shimon was so amazingly great. But even though he seemed like not such a good person, I think more of their calls him uh, the vinegar, right? The son of wine, right? Which we learned about the more Kulin, right? Uh, right? Uh, Kulin can say about himself um, in relation to eating meat and milk. We've mentioned this before on Friday night. Um, 
So over there, the Gemara says that he was a tax collector, right? His father, Rabbi Shimon ben Yechai, what did he do with the Romans? Right? We remember the Gemara in Shabbos, Rabbi Shimon ben Yechai, what did he do with the Romans? When they came to have to speak about the Romans, they were having a conversation. What happened? Rabbi Shimon ben Yechai said the Romans are terrible. Right? What happened to Rabbi Shimon ben Yechai? He was forced to flee and hide in the cave, and his son hide in the cave for 13 years to hide in the cave. And now his son's working for the Romans. He's a policeman. He's arresting people or tax evaders. The Mark says terrible. Like, you know, people said terrible things about him. So he, he says, and he put people to death. But the Mark says he was such a straight person and he was proved it by cutting out a piece of his own flesh, which, you know, he's a fat person. Maybe he had a lot of the flesh. Okay, to run this Gemara. No, how fat he was, not clear. But the Mark says he cut out a piece of his own flesh, put it outside of the sun to see whether or not it would become wormy. Whether or not it would become gross and disgusting and vermin would come in and out and maggots and nothing happened. It remained as pristine as it always was. This is the same person when he passed away. Rabbi Lezmer of Shimon passed away. His widow was approached by Rabbi Yudan who wanted to make a shidduch with her. Because she was obviously the wife of an amazing person. And she says to him, a kli which was mishtamish by the great, it's got to go be mishtamish by the nobody. And everybody is very offended. I'm a nobody. He says, I'm also a good guy. She went here anonymous. She didn't want to shit up. Right? This is a Rebbe of Shimon. And, and basically, they're amazing, amazing people. Says the Maral, don't take the Gemara literally when the Gemara is saying that they were fat. The Gemara is trying to say that they were so enormous in terms of who they were as people. They were spiritual giants compared to us. And here you see that he says this in terms of his understanding of the Agaratis and Chazal. He says, what was his line? He says, uh, that You don't have to say that literally Rabbi Shimon was so literally fat. And yet, when it comes to the story with the stones, we just saw in that Gemara, he doesn't say that it's a spiritual understanding. No. He seems to say that it's a literal understanding, right? And these are not regular stones. They also have spiritual sides to it. But the takeaway for today is the other approach that we mentioned from the Ram, that somebody says that the rabbi's got it wrong. If somebody's being edified by secular works, that person, Eilich Elik Olam, Ayashikar.